Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 125 of Thrive Deeper. I'm your humble host, DJ Payne, and with me, Matt Jacoby and I are going through the book of Acts in this particular series. This episode is our second last episode on the book of Acts. We cover a lot of ground, so much so that I just want to cut straight to it. Keep on listening. I've got a very important request for you in the break on this episode. So please keep listening, but open up that Bible right now to the book of Acts and let's go deeper on this episode of Thrive Deeper. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Yeah, it's our third birthday. Wow. Wow. You you really take notice of this stuff, I, don't I, you? This is my yeah. job. This is part of my job. Take notice of this stuff. It was on, this episode comes out on the 9th of July, 2021, for those right. who are listening afterwards. Yeah. 9th of July, 2021. Uh, and we started, our very first episode of Thrive Deeper was the 9th of July, 2018. Truly. Yeah. Wow. So, there we oh, go. There we go. Yeah. Three years. Three years. This is... Mm. Uh, 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 you know, we've just finished three years of podcasts on to another however many years of this yeah. that we're going to do. And Well, uh, thanks for sticking with us, those who have listened <laughs> from the start, and thanks for joining us, all the newbies. Yeah, into our fourth year. We mm. should we should be getting pretty good at this by now. I hope so. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see how we go. Well, this is, uh, this is Thrive Deeper, of course. It's DJ and Matthew. We are uh, part, f- this, this episode here is part five of our six-part series through the book of Acts. Mm. Uh, Acts of the Apostles, otherwise known as, you know, Acts of the Holy Spirit, otherwise known Acts of, you know, Jesus Christ as he establishes his church. It's the second book in the books of Luke. You know, Dr. Yep. Luke, who's writing, he writes obviously the Gospel of Luke, and this is his part two to the Gospel, mm. is, um, you know, the establishment of the early church. And so we're getting towards the back half of the book. Next, Our next episode of Thrive Deeper will be the final one. And uh, we've got, uh, we, we left... Uh, on our on our last ones, too much too much to recapture what is going on. But we've been concentrating on the on the person of the apostle Paul, Saul, who became Paul. Mm. Um, you know uh, his his Jewish name and his Roman name, and um, we've been looking at his missionary journeys. His in going on that, and we and we were right at the end of chapter sixteen, Matt. Yeah, well, the, the first the first phase, of course, is Paul and Barnabas. Uh, together, and uh, we're we're just coming to the end uh, of that. Uh, we're coming to the end of that because um, what as they're about to embark uh, on their next missionary journey, yeah. uh, Paul and Barnabas have a very sharp disagreement. Mm. Uh, and in fact, the the word that's used here just to describe this uh, disagreement is quite a um, is quite a strong word. Um, they. It's it's it really is. Uh, it's not so much a personal 
yes. uh, a personal slight, but there's some disagreement uh, that they've had, and it has something to do with Mark. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. John Mark, who we've met. Now, that John Mark is Barnabas' cousin. Yes. Uh, now, as we know about Barnabas, he's the encouraging, give someone the benefit of the doubt kind of guy. Yeah. Paul is the uncompromising. <laughs> he's a soft. Yeah. He's too soft because he had, uh, for some reason, yeah. uh, on the last missionary journey, he'd started off with them, but he'd gone back home. Mm. And for Paul, uh, Paul just writes him off. No good. Uh, he's a softy. Uh, let him go. Barnabas wants to keep him on. Bring which him is, on the next so, journey. I mean, again, looking at the history here, I mean, they're both, they're both, you know, Jews of Jews. You know, Barnabas, mm. we find out as a Levite, mm. you know, from the tribe of Levi there. And, and he is... The, Barnabas is the one who who vouched for Paul yeah. when all the other apostles were like were scared of him, yeah. you know, as as a new convert. Barnabas is the one who brought him into you know the church there in yeah. Jerusalem. Barnabas, John, Mark, his family is crucial in the early church in Jerusalem. Yeah, it was it was uh, John Mark's house, his mother's house, where the apostle Peter went when he came yeah. out of prison. All this, uh, so these are important people. But it's interesting to note that on the surface, we would look at this, you know, at the end of chapter 16, they separate. Yeah. It's a harsh separation. It's a, mm. it's, you can see that they have a strong disagreement. And, and on the beginning of this, we might go, oh, gee, this is not good. Well, well, I, I find it really interesting that the text doesn't gloss over this yeah. uh, in any sense. It's happy to, uh, this is not an idealizing text, says it as it is. But in a sense, what you get here is by the, by the mysterious province of, providence of God, this you get two missions rather than one mission. Uh, so, you really get double, double of value. And in a sense, um, this is, Paul and Barnabas are two big figures. Yeah. Uh, and, and it actually works out for the best that they do go their separate ways. It now, totally does. Yeah. Now, I think it's worth saying that, you know, Paul would not be where he is now at this point in the story if it wasn't for Barnabas. If it wasn't for Barnabas, the encourager yeah. who gives people the benefit of the doubt, Paul yes. himself benefited from that. Yeah. Now, uh, Paul later actually in 2 Timothy, um, he, he- Which is the, the last book, that he, the last letter that he yeah, writes. Yeah, that's right. It's the end of it, right towards, right just before life, he dies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he says um, there in 2 Timothy 4.11, he says- to Timothy, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Yeah. So by that stage, and this is the same John Mark. That's the same John Mark. So yeah. so there's been a reconciliation. In fact, even um, by when he writes Philemon, um, you know, uh, it suggests that there was some kind of reconciliation because mm. um, he sends greetings to Mark and so forth. Not yeah. that there was anything. Uh, uh, acrimonious yes. uh, about this. He didn't, it's not that he had anything against Mark in the mm. first place, but I think what we see from Second Timothy is that Barnabas was kind of in the right here. You know, yeah. Barnabas Barnabas was right in giving this I'm, guy the benefit of the I'm doubt because he comes good. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and so I think this is a it's a it's a great little insight into um, the fact that you know everyone's growing here mm. and God is working through. Uh, these situations, even a situation of disagreement, as unfortunate as that is, actually turns out for the best. Because as a result, there are other people like Silas and yes. others who are discipled by Paul, mm. whilst Barnabas disciples Mark. And, and look, John Mark probably needs a Barnabas at this stage. He probably doesn't need a Paul. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. needs someone a bit more encouraging. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Paul has Silas beside him. And Silas is a trooper. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, Silas you know, is as in, we're going to see in chapter 16, yeah, he really uh, is, he's a real trooper. Where John might have been a little bit younger and yeah. softer at this stage, puts Silas is right up yeah, for it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Silas is your sort of SAS <laughs> troops. Uh, and 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 Paul really, you know, Paul's your kind of SAS yeah. commander and, and there's a place for everyone. What, and what, John Mark, I think, would have would not have kept up with Paul's exactly. pace. Exactly. And, it, and, it's, and it's around about this time as, as we go into this uh, next missions trip here in chapter 17 and onwards, that is it right to say, Matt, um, and I throw a, you know, a curveball at you as far as history and everything goes, this is now the area during this second missionary journey where Paul begins to write some of the earliest letters mm, that we have from yeah, Paul that's right, yeah. in our New Testament. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This is happening now during, you know, Acts 17, 18, 19. This yeah. is when he's beginning to write the letters. Yeah, that's right. So, the letter to the Galatians and so forth. This is roughly this. There's a bit of debate about exactly when these letters yes. are written. But yes, this is because uh, by this stage, he's established churches yeah. and he's traveling a bit and he's sending letters to those churches that he's already established yeah, in his yeah. first missionary efforts. So we go into into chapter 17 and, re- and sorry the reason 16. sorry it's chapter 16 the reason yep. why I say that is you know it's great if you're reading the bible chronologically or you look at a chronological plan um, some of them will lay different letters now into that book of Acts mm. you know as you read it yeah. and I know how much you you know sometimes hate how a chronological Bible <laughs> will like chop a verse <laughs> yeah. in half and stick yeah. another thing in there uh, to try to make it right as far as the timeline goes but as we read the Bible chronologically like that and you see what scholars are doing you do get a sense of Paul dare I say this you know Mm. Growing, yeah, you do maturing yeah. in the Lord and yeah. and maybe softening a little bit. Yeah, not that he ever he ever gets away from, it, but in this stage of his life, especially in this episode and what we see here, he knows that Jesus told him he was going to suffer for the yeah. gospel. Yeah, that's right. Jesus said, "You're not going out in style, buddy. You're gonna you're gonna yeah. go out. It's gonna be yeah. hard. Yeah. You're gonna suffer. Yeah, for my name's sake." <clears throat> you see, Paul really leaning into yeah. that here. You know, uh, a, a book that really brings this out, um, and, and I highly recommend this one for uh, looking at Paul's life, N.T. Wright's book, A Biography of Paul, mm. is a brilliant um, exploration of, of Paul's journey. And, and he brings out, one interesting thing that N.T. Wright brings out is that certainly in the first stage, you know, that first missionary journey, uh, things things went pretty well. I mean, there was some opposition, but there was amazing miracles and God yeah. did amazing things. And uh, and we're going to see that here as well mm. uh, in Ephesus and so forth. Um, but after this, there's a period where Paul really has a really tough time yeah. uh, where he experiences a lot of opposition, a lot of discouragement. And this actually comes out, he reflects on this in his second letter to the Corinthians, mm. where he really is... Um, you know, he really testifies to a struggle uh, and and a, a sense of discouragement. And it's a wonderful. Uh, it's the way it, the way that N.T. Wright explores this. I was actually really encouraged by mm. this because mm. you get a sense of Paul's own journey yeah. here as well. And and as we see after even that letter was written, this is the beauty of the Book of Acts. You see that God came through in really yeah. amazing ways. Yes, you know, despite his you know the hardships and at times the discouragement. Yeah. Um, you know, you see that he did finally get to Rome, and this is this is the you know uh, the one of the major things. Yeah, yeah, one of the major 
I guess, aspirations of Paul uh, here. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with a man. He, yes, he's a, he's a pretty hard-headed figure mm. here. He's an absolute trooper. He's, mm. he's the, you know, um, he's one of the great troopers of the faith, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. But he's not invulnerable. Um, and uh, but th- this is where we're at the moment where things are going strong and fast here. Yeah. And Paul wants to keep going strong and fast, which is why Mark gets left alone al- alone here, and and we get Silas and now Timothy. We're going to meet uh, as well. Here. Yeah. As well. What what little sidebar here? I don't, and I only I, it was on my in my little notes to bring up, uh, but since you brought up NT right here, I, you know it's probably a fine yeah. place to go into yeah. a little sidebar. I've heard a lot of people, a lot of, um, you know, deconstructionists, you know, yeah. is one word that is very popular for some evangelicals these days, deconstructing what the faith is in the Bible. And, and a lot of them are questioning the inerrancy of the word and, you know, Paul's letters are, mm. are the, sometimes the first ones to go mm. because there's some pretty hardline things in Paul's letters that they yeah. they don't yeah. like in the church. Yeah. N.T. Wright is usually trotted out as one of those people who is questioning the veracity of some of mm. Paul's things type of thing. And I, like you say, I like a lot of what N.T. Wright says about the, mm. the life of Paul and the biography of Paul, and he's an incredibly mm. smart, gifted man. But, you know, uh, what, what, uh, Matt, uh, comment, commentary on a lot of this criticism of the life of Paul and, and what his letters mm. mean to us as the church. Yeah. I, I would say... Uh, I, I mean, we're, we're talking about just something about N.T. Wright. But I, I mean, and I think it's important to say because probably one of the mo- more important New Testament scholars yeah. today. I, I think I, I still, I, I would still regard him as very much within the evangelical and, and uh, evangelical um, faith. Uh, I, I think he's incredibly insightful biblical scholar. I, he's not really, I don't think, I wouldn't say that he's one of the ones that is throwing out Pauline authorship. I think on the whole, he does a pretty good- Oh, no, uh, he, he, yeah, he's he, not- he, he, yeah. he may get cited by people on that. So, there's been a little bit of a, a little bit of controversy around yes. um, uh, some nuancing that he wants to do with the doctrine of the atonement. Mm. And this came out in his book, um, The Day the Revolution Began, which I read. And, and look, I, uh, yeah, I, I did- I sort of got where he was coming from. I didn't think it was as off the mark as some people, yeah, as, as some people were, were making out, uh, because he doesn't throw out, you, you know, the substitutionary atonement. I think he's he's wanting to correct maybe an over emphasis on uh, on the sort of angry God thing. Um, I, I do think he leans a little far, yes, uh, with that. Um, okay. But that, that, so that's that, that's you know that's when it comes to that, the this whole approach to you know Paul's letters and oh yeah that's not written by Paul. I mean it honestly, it actually really annoys me because it <laughs> it it's, it gets ridiculous, and and yeah. and I think it's part of the way that that scholarship actually works. Mm. You know it, it's I remember listening to a um a lecture a series of lectures on. In, in the New Testament, by a Yale scholar, very prominent Yale scholar, and he began, began the lecture by lecture by writing on the, you know, on the board. Uh, evidently, I was listening to it, but you know, and and he wrote, you know, doubt everything, uh, because of course methodological doubt is a big aspect of scholarship. You know, yeah. if you can doubt it, then you should. And you know, in, in the way that scholarship works is that you know, one generation comes up, you know, says this, and then the next generation, well, they need to get 
doctorates too. Yeah. And they get their doctorates and they get their, <laughs> their work published by calling into question what the previous generation. So you get this constant, you know, this constant process of methodological doubt. Ah, oh, yeah, no, no. So a conservative position is is always going to be uh, a, a favourite whipping boy yeah. for for that kind of process of scholarship. And they're always going to, you know, it's like if we can find reasons to doubt something, then we will. And you know what? There's all, of course, there's always room for doubt. Mm. Um, but I prefer, I prefer to exercise uh, an approach that I refer to as methodological trust, methodological faith, uh, because I fundamentally believe that I belong to a family of an unbroken line from the the apostles Amen. who first witnessed the resurrection and suffered and died for something that they knew to be true. They yes. would not have lied about something they knew was false, uh, considering what they gave to it. this unbroken line, uh, this amazing church, a movement that we see in the book of Acts, right? It's like, this is, this is something real going on yeah. here. Yes. You know, even the way that Luke records the details and the, and the places, and this is history going on here. And, even, and as we've just cited, this whole discussion has come out of a, out of a point that Luke, Luke, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit, puts in there yeah. that these guys weren't perfect. They had disagreements. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, 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 you and, know, so, and I think yeah. it underscores the fact that he's not glossing over things. And so I have, I fundamentally, uh, you know, I, I have a problem with the idea that of just assuming that these people just outright lied to us, yeah. that people wrote, Christians in these early period wrote, Letters in the name of Paul, and and see, this is this is not something that's done, uh, that that was done commonly. Mm. Uh, you, you didn't write a letter in someone else's name. Mm. I, I mean, some people try to argue that you know that it was a done thing, but I, I read in one uh, commentary that did quite a big excursus on this that just I think knocked that idea in there. This is not something that's done. You have to actually argue that they were outright misleading people, mm. and I just. At this really at yeah. this stage in the, I mean, I've I've read, you know, even even if you think it was happening in the second century, I mean, I've read most of the writings of the early church fathers from the second century. Yeah. These are people who suffered and died, and it's these these people were not lying. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and they're so, already in that second yeah, century, so that, already quoting, yeah. and and they're quoting from yeah. this from this stuff, right? Exactly. So, so I'm, you know, I I just. That's why that stuff annoys me when, when you know, when, when we have a letter in the New Testament that is attributed to Paul or Peter or you've got a, I think, let's take, a, you know, an innocent until proven guilty rather than guilty until proven innocent yeah. approach to the text. Yeah, that's great. Um, and and I see, and this is this is where I I think is is the, in a philosophical sense, the most the best place to stand on this is to say. We need to take this as it stands. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, we need a really good reason to doubt mm. this. And we just don't have, we yeah. do not have a good enough reason uh, to doubt this. Yeah. So that's that's the methodology. That's what I refer to as methodological faith. Yes. And it's, it's because, again, we belong to this family that stretches back to this time. So if you're asking me to mm. call them liars, mm. uh, I, I have a problem with it. I, yeah. you, you, need, you need better evidence. <laughs> you need overwhelming evidence for that claim. Uh, and and I, it's not there. Yeah, we've opened up a little can of yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, you, you open up that Pandora's box for me. 
and I, <laughs> you've jumped straight out of it. All right, let's let's close that sidebar off over there. Let's get back into the Book of Acts, uh, chapter sixteen. Uh, we we Paul starts off his second missionary journey, uh, and we get to meet a very important, um, you know, young guy that becomes, you know, Paul. Paul will, you know, literally calling me son in mm. the future. Oh yeah, and this is Timothy. Yeah, Timothy. Timothy having a uh, Jewish mum and a Greek dad. Yeah, um, and is a, is well spoken believer amongst all of the mm. new you know converts there. Paul is so taken with him mm. that he says, right, uh, you know, I want you to yep. come along, alongside. But he does something to him first. Yeah, that's right. That really- they're, they're going to a, into a Jewish area and they're aware of his mixed uh, mixed origins. And and Paul just doesn't want to, he doesn't want to put anything in the, he wants to take away every obstacle that might distract, this is the key for distract, from just the message that he wants to bring. And th- I think this is a really um, good example of, uh, you know, of taking an approach where you're going to say, okay, whatever, I'll just, uh, let's just push this issue aside, you know, and and so this is the issue of circumcision. Now, Paul thinks, and he's been through this, and, and by this stage, he's yeah. written the letter to the Galatians. Yeah. He doesn't think that uh, that a Greek origin believer, that uh, um, Gentile believer should be circumcised. Yeah. And yet, just so that there's not an argument about yeah. this that might distract yeah. from the real thing. This is a gospel-centered man. He just wants to clear the way. Okay, I'm just going to push that issue aside. I'm going to push that issue aside because I, I I don't want anything to distract from the gospel. I'm, okay, so he, you know, I'll, he has, I'll be all things to all men. So doesn't really right. matter. Yeah, as go. he says in uh, one Corinthians nine, I become all things. You know, to those under the law, I became as one under the law. He says in First uh, Corinthians nine, and this is really what he's doing here. Um, to you know, to avoid this uh, th- this issue, look, you know, and and I think I think it's a good example to us where um, you know where there are issues that may be true and 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 perhaps worth fighting for that we might think were, are worth fighting for, but we need to always ask ourselves: but is this going to distract yeah. from my opportunity to get us to get across the the central sim- simple ideas of the gospel yeah. and if if that's so i'm just going to push that aside and and get to the let the main thing be the main thing i, I do feel sorry for timothy though you know in, well, in the pro- process of yeah. this but he, you know but obviously it isn't like Paul or other believers forcing their will. Obviously, no, 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 you know, that's Timothy right. yeah. acquiesced yeah. to this. And, but this is where, I mean, this is interesting in the light of what we've said about Mark. This is where, this is at this point, if I was Timothy, I would have done a John Mark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Yep. See ya. Yeah. I'm going home now. But this, this, and again, that might be a good point coming straight after the back of this. This might be a way for Paul to go, well, let's see if you're up for it. You really yeah. up for it, buddy? Let's, yeah. you know, let's. Because really, it's Timothy that that you know that pays the price exactly. uh, for this uh, with a painful little bit of surgery, there particularly for an adult. Yeah, yep. yeah. So we go from go from there. And we get a really interesting. Can, can, sorry, can I just point out yeah. verse five of verse sixteen? This is a statement that's made again and again. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Yeah. This is a. Um, I mean, I know we, you know, we often say, oh, it's not about numbers and went in, in churches and, and, but um, uh, it actually is important throughout the book of Acts that this is a growing movement. Um, and this is not, you know, people transferring from one place. So this is actually real growth. People are coming to faith. This is pointed out throughout the book of Acts. So the idea that many people are coming to faith for Luke is a key metric for the health of the Christian movement. 
Yeah. And I think this is something, therefore, that we, given that this is so central in the book of Acts, mm. I think as Christians today and, and, and as uh, people in churches today, we need to be asking ourselves, not how big are our churches, but are, there, yeah, is, is adding, are people coming to faith? Is the Lord adding to their number yeah. daily those who are being saved, as it says earlier uh, in the book of Acts? Because this is a comment that's made throughout oh, the book. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. We, we see here uh, next Paul and Silas, uh, you know, uh, doing different trips. Uh, we get an interesting little point here. The Holy Spirit prevented them from yeah. preaching the word into Asia. What does that mean? I don't know. Yeah, we don't know how, but yeah, yeah. that's because you would think that- you know, preach the word everywhere yeah. would be that, but um, but this is a classic example of uh, of living by the Spirit. There, yep. there, there is this sensitivity to what God is saying, and, and whether it's through some circumstances or th- or uh, just a sense of guidance or, or that inner voice of the Spirit, whatever is happening here, um, they don't go to Asia, but instead um, they uh, they head towards uh, Macedonia. Yeah, because of course Paul has this vision yeah. of a man from Macedonia. Well, it's an interesting point. Before we get to the vision, there, uh, just one little side note that I notice in 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 uh, in this little part here, we get, you know, the spirit of God preventing them to, you know, going into Asia proper where they want to go, and then they heading along the borders here, and then it says, but again, the spirit of Jesus. Yeah, it uses yes. that phrase. Yeah. Luke uses yeah. that phrase interchangeably yeah. again. You know, uh, at, at yeah, the moment, right, uh, yeah. at, at the moment on our, our sister podcast, Thrive Perspectives, we're talking about the Holy Spirit again. This is the doctrine of you know Jesus, the yeah, Holy Spirit, right. one. Yeah, you know the oneness of that. So that's twice now. So they've tried to go one place and yeah. they've been prevented by the Holy Spirit. Then they've tried to go another place and they've been uh, prevented by the Spirit of Jesus. So yes. uh, th- that's right. Yeah. The and uh, then Paul gets and why is this? Why is this? Well, then Luke lets us know. They he, Paul gets a vision, uh, you know, at night he has a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And then then just this one little thing that I really love in, in, in this part of, uh, you know, Acts here from Luke, Luke then throws in the we. Yeah. And so the, why has he been so detailed about this little part here? Because obviously at this point, Paul has joined up with Luke has joined up yeah. with with Paul on this second journey. Yeah. And so Luke now starts including himself. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. Yeah. And and now it's Luke on the journey with them. It's it, so we'll get quite yeah. we, you can tell when Luke is with them on the journey because it gets quite detailed yeah. about the trips. I love this part. Yeah, of that's it. right. It, just a a detail here. Mm. Uh, when he has this um he has this vision of a man, you know, come over and help us. But there's still, he doesn't just say, right, we're going to Macedonia. Because uh, it says here that um, he concluded, uh, and, and and the word here is that there's an interpretive element to this yes, that yes. he exercises. Okay, so I think uh, I, I'm, I'm concluding that this is what God is, but the, it's not an automatic thing. There's an interpretation that he that he gives to that, mm. you know, mm. I mean, he has a vision, right? Uh, but it's still, it's still for him to make a conclusion about that. It's yeah. just, I know it's a, it's a small, no, uh, I love it's a small it. detail, I love but, it. but it's an important detail. Yeah. Uh, so he, he, cause often, you know, we can have a sense um, that God is speaking to us, but it's, th- there's still an onus on us to interpret that. 
And, you know, Amen. And, Amen. And in this case, Paul says, well, and look, the circumstance, they've been prevented in this way, they've been prevented in that way. Yep. Uh, you know, I, th- you know, he's, I think, you know, he's concluding, obviously rightly, mm. uh, that, well, this is God's, we're going to go with this because this is, we're going to trust that God is leading us and, and, uh, and so they go to Macedonia. Yeah. So up north. on on their way with with Dr. Luke in tow as well uh, with the crew, uh, we get to meet really quickly uh, Lydia um, from Thyatira in Philippi. Um, she is this uh, incredibly gifted merchant, uh, obviously a very wealthy, important woman. Yeah, and uh, she becomes a believer. And yeah, really- well, it's very providential the way that this happens because mm. it's one of these situation where they just come upon her, yeah. you know, and uh, she, she, as a wealthy woman, she's going to become the hostess essentially of the church. Yeah. So, how's that? Yeah. And because essentially what they're doing, they're not walking about looking, okay, who can we, well, I mean, uh, they're obviously are in the sense that they're aware, you know, trying to stay aware of what God is wanting, wanting to do, but essentially they're going to pray somewhere by the river on the Sabbath. Mm. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, the, the, idea of cleansing and water, this is probably why within the Jewish, um, uh, in, in the in sort of Jewish customs, why down there, you know, yes. um, you sort of, I think of by the rivers of Babylon, there yeah. we sat and went, well, they're by the rivers of uh, here of uh, Philippi. Yeah. And they come upon this woman. I think there's wonderful providence uh, about this. And, um, and it says that as they are sharing with her, it says the Lord opened her heart. Yeah. So, I feel like, here, there's a strong emphasis on on the guidance and the providence of God. Mm. So, the Lord is, prov- don't go here, don't go there. There's a vision, no, go here instead. <clears throat> then when they go there, they happen to come upon this woman who's going to really become a key figure. And then when they speak to her, then the Lord opens her heart to receive their message. Mm. And uh, and they are taken back to home. I just think this is great. It is It is great. <laughs> now, we, uh, we, we'll, we'll... And then, well... It's interesting where it goes from here. Yeah. Because, okay, as this providence continues, mm. uh, well, there's someone else in Philippi that God wants to reach. Mm. Uh, there's Lydia, uh, but there's someone else whose whole household is going to come to come to the faith. Yeah. God is preparing that person, but this person happens to be a jailer, right? <laughs> and this is, this is a classic, I think this is a classic ex- uh, example of how this discipleship journey works. Mm. Because God so loved this Philippian jailer mm-hmm. that he was willing to send his son, Paul. I mean, I'm, I'm deliberately putting like this because yeah. it's the pattern of Jesus. You know, yes. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Yes. You know, God so loved this Philippian jailer that he sent his son, his sons, Paul and Silas, to suffer because that's what happens. They're going through the marketplace and they... Um, uh, there's a servant girl there that's a fortune teller and a, her- Demonically inspired. Yeah, demonically inspired fortune teller. They drive the demon out and this causes all sorts of problems. Mm. Uh, it causes a great furor. They end up being thrown into prison. Mm. Uh, beaten, mind you, it says uh, in verse 23 uh, of uh, chapter, where are we? Chapter 16. Yeah. Uh, it says, after they had been severely flogged. Now, yeah. let's just pause there. When it's said in a Roman context that you are severely flogged. Not good. That's not good. Yeah. Uh, so, um, it says they were thrown into prison and then 
who do we meet? The jailer. Uh, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So now, he puts him into stocks as well. Not only, stocks, not only yeah. are they beaten in prison, yeah. they're like, look, be careful. Mm-hmm. These guys have got a reputation. There's something going on here. Yeah, that's right. There's something mystical going on. And he's like, all right, I'll put them in stocks as well. Yeah. So they've got these heavy stocks on their legs. You and know, then there's a there's an earthquake in the middle yeah. of the night. You know, the jailer... Uh, uh, the, the the chains fall off. The jailer, you know, wakes up uh, thinking he's, you know, about to kill himself because yeah. it's all, you know, all hope is lost, finds they're still there. And his question is, you know, this is a man prepared for the kingdom. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's it's amazing because, and this is, this is a beautiful little note here, that while Paul and Silas have been beaten, they're in stocks, they're singing hymns, they're keeping all yeah. the other, all yeah. the other prisoners are, they're yeah. keeping them awake all night while they're singing and praising God. And the Lord in the earthquake is obviously a movement of, of the Lord here. The Lord <clears throat> takes the chains off, not just Paul and Silas, all the prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> all the prisoners are ready to that's go right. free. And that's why the jailer is like, oh, I mean, yeah. not only are these important prisoners now gone, but I'm all of them gone. Time for me to yeah. end my life. And, you know, it's an interesting question, sirs, mu- mu- what must I do to be saved? Yeah. Now, I think it's worth bearing in mind what they had been doing is singing songs and hymn. You know, they. Yeah. so I think he's well aware yeah. of their... Yeah. Of their, you know, of their worldview at yeah. this stage, I think he's well aware. They've been singing these songs, and and he's listening to this, uh, th- you know, uh, taking this in. Yeah. Uh, I dare say that God had prepared his heart. You know, this is a man with a hungry heart. Yeah. Earthquake, chains fall off. <laughs> it just, it's you know, it's the thing that just breaks him open. Yeah. And of course, then uh, they. Uh, you know, they bring the good news to him. Uh, he takes them home. The whole household comes to faith yeah. as a result of this. So, this is a household that would have been well known in the early church in Philippi. Uh, this is a family that, and, and by household, it would include servants and mm. uh, and all the rest. Um, and, you know, think about this. This is what Paul and Silas had to go through to be in the right place at, at the, the right, right time. time. Yeah. They they were severely flogged. They were thrown in prison. Now the question is: Is it worth it? Yeah. Is it? See, this is this is the cost of discipleship. God mm. wanted to reach that Philippian jailer, and that's what in or, that's what Paul and Silas had to go through to be in the right place at the, at right, the time. right time. Yeah. And you know, Paul's perspective, and you see this throughout the, throughout his letters, is I will do whatever it takes. It's he, he's not he's not after a pleasant life. He's after a purposeful life. Yeah, and yeah. this is what a life of purpose looks like. One hundred percent. We we as we finish off chapter sixteen, we're going to go go into a break. One little note here is is very strangely the powers that be come in the next morning and say, okay, Paul and Silas can go free. Yeah. All good. They've served <laughs> their time. No worries. And this is the first time we get this sense of Paul that Paul yeah. being a very very clever person as well and understanding yeah. how the legal system works and everything like that says, hang on, we're Roman citizens. Yeah. You can't just do this to us. You know, like he's appealing to a greater, you know, the greater source. And that really puts massive fear into the local officials and everything like that. So, there's some apologies and stuff he's allowed to go through. So, he doesn't, he's already beginning this process. You can see him getting ready mentally to to make the case you know, I'm a Roman citizen. I have a certain set of rights here in this. Yeah, that's right. It's interesting because- he, there's a couple of points where he pulls this out. I mean, yeah. he's going to play this card when it's, it's useful. Yeah. Um, it, you know, again, interesting mission mission principle. Yes. I, I'm going to play what cards God has given me by his providence. And totally. here he plays this card. I think 
you know, why does he make a deal about this now? I think partly to protect those communities of believers yep. that now are associated with Paul. Yes. Um, I think this is going to um, get them off perhaps on a slightly better footing. Yep. Now, interestingly, we don't really know how Paul comes to have Roman citizenship. Well, he says at one point uh, he was born. Yeah, he was born. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't, sorry, we don't know how the family yes. came to have uh, Roman citizenship. Um, there were a number of different ways that you could procure Roman citizenship, number yeah. of different, it was used in some senses as incentives yes. if you were given Roman citizenship. And if you weren't born with it, it's quite, it's quite an expensive, yeah, you would have to buy process it, through, right. yeah. you know, yeah. and we'll see, I, I, I lay that little foundation now because it's going to come yeah, into play later, come in, come later Again. on. Yeah, that's right. All right, let's take a quick break here on Thrive Deeper, episode 125, and we're going to change up a few gears and really yeah, fly right. through the next few chapters here. So keep listening now on the break here with Matthew and DJ here on Thrive Deeper. there fam it's your old mate dj here and i'll just be brief i just want to mention i i choose the music to try to fit in to what we're talking about on thrive and i've chosen this music to sort of give it a sense of urgency and the mission trip and everything that's going on with paul and we're building up but it feels like now that i'm listening to it again i've diverted them off into a disco or a rave i don't <laughs> i don't know if i've succeeded <laughs> in my musical choice on this episode please let me know now listen i've got great news i'm going to be very brief i've got great news i need to share with you our monthly supporters are, are doing an amazing job our financial monthly supporters are doing such a great job and i got to see a little bit behind the scenes of our finances here at thrive the other day and here's the great news we are almost we are almost at a place where we're meeting one of our main financial costs of doing this podcast. I mean, we've got a long way to go until everything is supported and we can start moving ahead. But we are almost to a really great goal where the podcast costs are being met by you, our financial supporters. So I'm challenging you. If you've been meaning to do it, you can do it for as little as you want a month and it just comes out automatically out of your bank account and helps us keep Thrive going. So head over to thrivetoday.tv, look for the donate button, click on that, and then you can decide on how much you want to give. You can give a one-off or better yet, become a monthly supporter. We would love to have you on board and we'd love to meet that first goal of the costs of this podcast being met by you, our community, our supporters. All right, let's go back to the dance scene here with Paul <laughs> and the Book of Acts. I need to, I need better music. I need better music. You're on Thrive Deeper. It's 
Thrive Deeper, episode 125. We are in Acts chapter 17. Thank you for sticking with us. DJ and Matt here. And uh, we're looking at Paul's second missionary trip. He's got Silas with him as his right-hand man. Uh, Dr. Luke is uh, is joining them, documenting. It's like he's got his own little documentary film mm. crew with him here with Dr. Yeah. Luke. And uh, they're, they're going through and they end up in chapter 17, Thessalonica. Yeah, so in the next, uh, we're going to see actually Paul's work in three very significant cities. Thessalonica, major center up in Macedonia. Yes. Uh, you know, we're going to see Paul in Athens and we're going to see Paul in Corinth. Th- those are, you know, those are really important centers. Now, the interesting thing about just broadly, I'm going to make some, yes. uh, and I think that'll probably suffice for this chapter, is that Thessalonica, we get this, he goes to this, it's the same pattern here, same goes pattern to synagogues yes. first, always yes. to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Yep. It's always pointed out that there were some that received the message. Uh, that's important. But then there were others that stir up trouble and uh, and so forth. And sometimes forth. both. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, well, it's always, there's, there's always... There's always a, a bit of both. Yeah, there. sorry, a okay. bit of both. Yeah, yeah but that's you, right. you, sometimes it's one one more than the other. Sometimes yeah. equally the same. Yeah, sometimes right. it's safe. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. Interesting yeah. here, uh, and I think this is another um, significant thing about the New Testament is the the place of um, the place of women actually in the early church. Um, now, for us, you know, it, it can in commenting on that can sound sound um, like we're sort of trying to throw a throw a crust out in some sense, but uh, it actually, in the context of the first century, mm. this mention, this constant mention of the role of women in the church is actually quite revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, this is pointed out because um, people like Lydia and, and others yeah. um, who, are, who are mentioned along the way yeah. actually become really key players in, in the early church. This is, uh, this is not a, a male-driven movement. This is a, a movement that I- in, within which women have a very important place. Yeah, and, and women of both Jewish descent and Greek women, yeah, that, yeah, and a lot right. of prominent Greek women yeah, that's right. are involved in this yeah. as we see. So, um, so, in a sense, what we have, uh, it, it goes badly in, in Thessalonica, it, it turns against them there. The situation in Berea acts as a kind of contrast in some ways to the opposition that they've experienced in Thessalonica, because when they come and bring the message there, it says um, here in verse 11 uh, that they receive the message with great eagerness and examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Fantastic. That's, That's actually, there is a note of commendation. Yes. That they didn't they didn't just accept it immediately because yeah. that's actually consistently not the kind of posture mm. that the New Testament ask, is asking for. The, the, constantly, the posture is one of discernment and, and very much scripturally oriented. Yeah. They are commended for the fact that they listened to the message. Mm. They they didn't react out of jealousy or whatever as as the as the um, as Some previous the people did, did. Yep, yep. Um, in Thessalonica, Thessalonica. Rather, they went to the scriptures. They searched the scriptures, uh, and so you know we, we get uh, and it says as a result, many of them believe as a result of searching the scriptures yeah. because they found that yes, Jesus does fulfil these prophecies. But of course, people from Thessalonica come in dis- yeah. 
realise that this is happening, they get wind of this somehow. They get wind of the fact that they're there and that there's a great harvest in Berea. And so they uh, they go there and cause problems, which leads them to move on to Athens. Now, Athens being, you know, a central hub for, uh, you know, Roman people, you know, and and Greek people in in this era. Yeah, that's right. He he tries something different in Athens. Well, uh, Athens is... This is really interesting. I mean, I, I find this interesting um, because uh, of my background in philosophy that mm. he is, um, I mean, this is where I, I get a little bit excited yeah. uh, here because it says, you know, a group of Epicurean Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. And I love this this moment of interaction where the history of philosophy intersects yeah. with, with the history Christ- of Christianity and, and really- And Paul's up for it. Yeah. And, and Paul's up for it and- knowledgeable. Yeah, that's right. He, he's not coming at naively and not attacking them. Yeah. He's trying to work with work well, with Well, he, he is, you know, he is knowledgeable. I mean, interest it's interesting to note that um one of the major cent- there, there are three major centers in the ancient world of Greek philosophy. Mm. Uh Alexandria is one, there's a great in in Egypt, there's a great library there and um Athens is another, but Athens had, had was not as much as it had been, for example, in, you know, sort of 400 BC when uh, uh, Socrates and Plato and Aristotle were there. The major centre actually for Stoic uh, philosophy, which is the dominant uh, philosophical movement of the day, was actually yeah. in Tarsus. Oh, wow. That was, the major, that was the major centre for Greek where, philosophy. Where Paul, otherwise known as Saul of Tarsus, that was is where, from. That's yeah. right. That's where he's from. That's where he went back to that, that place. Mm. Uh even as an adult and spends time there after he becomes a Christian. And so, um, uh, so he's, he is providentially equipped uh, to have this, have this engagement with these Greek philosophers. Mm. Uh, they invite him to this forum uh, this area known as the Aeropagus. It's pointed out that the Athenians just love to sit around and talk about I love uh, I love Luke's it's, little note there. Yeah. You know, it should be explained that uh, in Athens, they it's were It's so all, true to the history. Yeah, you know, they could, all love yeah. to just get there and discuss the latest yeah. ideas. Luke has his little own editor's yeah. note on there for I us. mean, I, you know, th- th- you know, this is where I, you know, I, I picture, um, you know, Socrates, you know, Plato records all these really lengthy dialogues, yeah. conversations between Socrates and, and it's, this this is the kind of thing that's happening here. Yeah, these, yeah. They're sitting around, they're having these endless philosophical discussions. Now, it's interesting to note here that um, that these schools of philosophy, Stoicism and Epicurism, that they while while they they continue by uh, after you know after probably three hundred years of the early Christian movement, they are actually largely supplanted by the Christian movement. Yeah. The Christianity. Uh, as it grows throughout the uh, Greco-Roman world, actually um, utilizes aspects of this uh, philosophy. Yes, sometimes a little problematically, actually, as as time goes on. Yeah. But it, but it largely replaces those uh, schools of philosophy as dominant ways of thinking, uh, and and so that's interesting. So there's an encounter here um, that begins that ends up in in. Greek philosophy largely being eclipsed or uh, taken under the wing, utilized. I mean, uh, Augustine, the church father Augustine around, he's writing around 400 AD, utilizes uh, Greek philosophy to some extent, makes it the handmaiden of philosophy. So, there's just interesting uh, for me how how this, yeah, yeah, the handmaiden of of Christian theology. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
It's interesting that this this interaction begins here. So m- moving on, and I know you want to. Move I, on. I want to fly. Yeah. I want to fly through. This. Can I, can I throw this one out? Because we can go in and we can look at Paul's sermon and his little message and everything. Like, yeah. and I know you're dying to do that, yeah. Matt. But I want to sort of skip over it because it's it's interesting. They, skipping they, over it. What are you talking? Uh, about? We got to, We got to fly. <laughs> they, he, he, they they stumble over the resurrection. Yeah, which Paul you know yeah. knows is going to happen because yeah. it's something that it's yeah. that, that that happens all the time. He doesn't get a large, it's not like a massive number no. were added to the church here. No. So I've heard some people yeah. preach from this and say, eh, Paul's been trying to be a bit too clever here. He wasn't really, he's like, he's, he's using their things for them and it didn't really, he wasn't preaching in the spirit of God here. He was trying to get, get on their, you know, on their level, be smart with them. And in the end, they just laughed him out of the thing because well, he talks about- Yeah, well, that would be a cynical way of looking at I, this I, because from the pattern, I think what Luke is showing from the pattern of Acts is that Paul has this ability to, um, to adapt his message to the circumstance, not not to adapt, not to change the message, but yeah. to contextualize the message, and so that's what we see him doing here. And interestingly, he builds on—he actually builds on their beliefs. He, you know, yeah. he doesn't just say, "Oh, everything that you say is wrong," which he no. would have thought there was a lot that was wrong with it. Yes. Rather, he goes in and he says, "You know what? You're right about this, and you're right about that." Uh, and so he builds on that, and he even quotes from there as he makes his point. See, mm. while he's in the synagogue. He's quoting from the scriptures, but when he's talking to them, he's quoting from their poets, two different uh, sections where that he quotes from. One quote is for, for in him we live and move and have our being, and the other quote is we are his offspring. Mm. And and his, him there in those quotes is actually Zeus yeah. in the context yeah. of where those, uh, he's quoting from Greek poets. Oh, he knows what he's doing. There. He knows what yeah. he's doing. So, so he's, you know, it's interesting the way that he is taking some you know, these quotes and giving them a new context. Yeah. Uh, uh, sort of subversive. Uh, it's it's what uh, um, uh, we, we could, or has been referred to as, um, as subversive fulfillment. This this fulfills your aspirations, but in a subversive way. In a way, way that you weren't expecting. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, we do we do get the fact that at the end, they laughed in contempt over the resurrection of the dead, which is- Yeah, you know, you know and, and of course, that's because they're, they're probably more plate, platonist in their thinking so that physicality isn't the, isn't really the goal. Yeah. The idea of, of, you know, the idea is to be freed from the body, not to yeah. be- End up yeah. being resurrected, resurrected from, from the body. dead. That's, is, is, that's an offence, as, yeah. as Paul says in one Corinthians. Exactly, it's an offence. It's actually uh, an offence to the Greek yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, that's an it's offence to the Greek mind. That's right. So, so Luke makes a point of saying, look, that ended the discussion that Paul had with them. You know, yep. some of them were interested. Some of them even became believers. Among them yep. were Dionysus, a member of the council, and a woman. Again, your point that Luke makes a note of these special women who were coming out uh, and joining the church. A woman named Demarius and others with him. So. Mm. It wasn't no fruit, but it wasn't the fruit that that yeah maybe Paul yeah that's was right. And for. well, it's interesting that you know that he doesn't he doesn't stay a long time there. Where he does go is to Corinth, and he's going to yeah. spend quite a while in Corinth. Now, this is like going from Berkeley in to use an American example. It's like going yeah. from Berkeley yeah. uh, to Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, can I know, can, let's, for our Australian audience going to going from like the the esteemed halls of some sort of university in Canberra uh, to Surface Paradise on the Gold yeah, Coast? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, maybe you know maybe <laughs> Melbourne, Melbourne Uni up to I don't know whatever. But um, yeah. 
Corinth was it's a massive uh, center in this uh, in this time it's um, uh, it's probably even bigger actually than than Athens at this point yeah uh, it is the Las Vegas of the time this is sin City uh, Corinth yeah um, so it doesn't have the sort of intellectual gravitas that Athens have has yeah, yeah. Um, but this is where Paul, he, he Look, hangs here for a bit. And Paul, obviously, and we know this from the Corinthian letters, this is a, this 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 place became really important for Paul. Uh, and not only not only because he establishes a church here in a, in mm. a different sort of way, a very Gentile church, he meets uh, two of his best friends yeah. that end up becoming like co-workers in, in not only the faith, yeah. but traveling companions, but also co-workers in his, his trade, yeah, that's as right. it were, uh, yeah, uh, two, right. te- two tent makers. You know, Paul was a tent maker, financing his way when he could by making tents, and he meets, um, you know, the Jewish Aquila and, uh, you know- and Priscilla, and, and his wife Priscilla. And yeah. his wife Priscilla. Um, Who both, and again, you know, both of them are mentioned. This is not yes. just, you know, because they both become really important yes. in the early church. Now, it's interesting, they had- this couple that he meets in Corinth, mm. it says here that they had um, come from Rome because they'd been expelled from Rome because Jews had been expelled from Rome. Yeah. So, just an interesting historical note here. It talks about Claudius's eviction of the Jews. One of the one of the only extra biblical uh, mentions of Christ in in the at the time yeah. comes from a document of this period saying that there was wow. that Claudius evicted the Jews from Rome based around a controversy around a figure called Crestus. Wow. Which is uh, a, a garbled version of Christ, yeah. right? Uh, and so the the trouble in Rome had actually been because now Paul hasn't been to Rome yet, uh, but there is all and uh, there is always a, there, already uh, a significant Christian movement uh, yeah. um, had um, risen up in Rome, yeah. and enough to cause uh, some um, uh, well uh, some unrest there in the city amongst the Jews, uh, and hence um, many of them. Uh, there's, I mean. Uh, Many thousands uh, have been evicted from uh, from there. Probably, uh, they estimate maybe fifty thousand Jews wow were wee. evicted. Wow! Wee. So this is a big movement based on uh, trouble around around Jesus Christ. Yeah, around Jesus Christ, yeah. And, and, and it's and, and it's implied here, and historically, mm-hmm. we believe. To, correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt. Yep. Uh, that that. Um, you know, the, that his new friends uh, here, Priscilla and Aquila, yeah. uh, they are Jewish coming out of Rome, but they are already believers. Yeah, they're, they're, they're believers. So, they're yeah. part of this. So, yeah. So, along with the uh, along with the Jewish, uh, along with the Jews, the yeah. Orthodox Jews, there, there were Jewish believers in Christ, These Messianic, Messianic Jews Messianic that Jews. were also driven out, which actually left, I mean, you know, actually left a, a Gentile church. And yeah. this is part of... The issue when Paul writes the the letter to the Romans, yes, because uh, the when the Jews went back, you know, the Gentiles were like, oh, sorry, who are you? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. and and they've got to get on a little own? bit. So the issue yeah. between Jew and Gentile is a big uh, theme in the letter to Romans. Anyway, yeah. so so they are they're actually when it says tent makers, um, probably you could that's probably more generically like leather workers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, and and because. You know that's probably how he, you know, he comes across them, and so they end up working together. Because hmm. it's worth pointing out that Paul is actually, um, in a lot of, in most cases, he is supporting himself by working. Yeah. Now he does get 
contributions um, uh, occasionally that allow him to just go out and preach the gospel. But every now and again, he does his thing that he does here and he works for a while and raises money and then keeps going. So to fly over his time in Corinth, yep. Corinth he spends a year and a half there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yep. Mostly because he has trouble with the Jews right at the beginning. He washes his hands of them. Yep. Jesus appears to him and says, yep. you won't be attacked if you st- yep. as long as you stay here. Yep. You need to do some work here. Yep. He goes, great. So he spends a year and a half yeah, building right. up yeah. this church. It's a very, as we read from the letters, it's a very, a um, lot of troubles in this church, you know, yeah. eventually. But, uh, you know, uh, eventually, after after a year and a half or so, Paul returns to Antioch of Syria. Yeah, that's and, right. Ends yeah. up back in Syria, uh, heading off to Ephesus. And during this time, Silas is coming and going. Timothy is coming and going. Yeah. Luke himself is obviously yeah. coming and going. So, he has a team of people who are coming and going. That's right. And almost like these little secondary missionary trips are happening. Yeah. Reports are going back. Back to that's different right. churches and stuff like that. So that's the end. I mean, verse twenty-two ends uh, his essentially his second mission journey. Yeah, uh, he goes back to Antioch, and then in verse twenty-three of chapter eighteen, it says after spending some time in Antioch, this is his base, his sending church. Yeah. It says Paul sent uh, set out from there and travelled from place to place, and then he goes back and he again visits all of these fledgling churches. Yeah. He he writes one last one last little note here Matt because I know you'd love to love to uh, at the end of chapter 18 before we get into 19. Um he uh, we meet Apollos. Mm. We meet Apollos while they're in Ephesus. Now Apollos is another Jew who's obviously a believer. Yeah. You know, a believer knows the scriptures really well, which Luke is yeah. Luke makes a special note of going yeah. this guy's good. Yeah. Uh, because why? Because he's from Alexandria in Egypt. Right. Which testifies again to the, re- you know, remember, we're only reading about Paul's journeys here, yeah. but the fact that you've got Priscilla and Aquila coming from Rome, right, and they're solid believers coming from Rome. Then you've got Alexandria, you know, Alexandria down in North Africa, uh, in Egypt. Uh, you've got these, Apollos coming up as a, you know, uh, as a believer as well. It shows how far this movement yeah. has actually gone. Uh, yeah. So I think that's a real testimony to that. Now, because, you know, there's a, um, not everyone is getting the whole story. You know? and that's the point. So, that's so the with Apollos, they need to, uh, you know, he, he's got so much uh, of the story, but not all of the story. And yeah. so, so you get this, uh, you get this situation where Apollos is really uh, upskilled, updated yeah. uh, in, in, in the full yeah. fullness of and, the And I love yeah. the fact that Luke makes a note of who takes Apollos under, his, under their wing. It's Priscilla and Aquila yeah. who says to him, hang on, how much of the story have you got, basically? Yeah. And he goes, well, I'm up to jo- John's baptism, you know, yeah. basically in how much the, you know, the Spirit of God worked there. And, and it's funny how Luke uses John's baptism uh, you know, with the with story of Christ, Christ's death yeah. and resurrection about like it's almost like a shorthand of how far along are you in this in this yeah, Christian yeah. work, and 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 the reason why he's talking about John's baptism is because they haven't yet received yeah. the Spirit's baptism. Yeah, that's right. Through the apostles to to welcome them into the church. So yeah, yet another point, and I and I just I just wanted to draw this out. We see Apollos from from um, Alexandria, a Jew. Who is, uh, you know, really, really yeah. well, well, you know, preaching the gospel, arguing for Jesus Christ, and he hasn't heard about the Spirit's baptism, and he, how is he? How is he brought in? How does he receive the Spirit's baptism through better teaching? Yeah, 
slowly quiet. It's not some big again. What Luke's recording, mm. he doesn't. He doesn't go. Luke love, loves to record when there's you know these big yeah. moments. There's not a big moment here. It's mm. a, it seems to be a pro, you know a process here yeah. of. God's word being explained more accurately and Apollos going, okay, yes, now, and, he, and yeah. he's entered into it that way. Yeah. Just another way that the yeah. spirit works. I yeah, love it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's good. And then that leads on to a similar uh, thing, actually, when um, it says, while well, Apollos was in Corinth, uh, Paul he goes to Ephesus and in, yes. in Ephesus, he finds some other disciples who only know John's baptism. Again. And again, they need to be updated. Now, this is, you know, again, remember we're in the book of Acts and the book of Acts is very interested in this transition from from the Old Testament uh, faith to the fullness of the new covenant. Okay, so this is a transitional period. And so, um, there are these groups of people that are that are... In this Old Testament mode, they've heard about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, they believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but that's not enough to make you a Christian because b- by definition, being a Christian is actually uh, having this th- the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, so you get these essentially Old Testament style believers, messianic believers, who need to come into the full blessing uh, of the new covenant. Luke is very interested in that in the book of Acts, because that's what the book of Acts is actually showing. This is a new movement. This is continuous with the old, absolutely continuous with the old, but there's something new here. And he's very, most of all, interested in the outpouring of the Spirit and and following the work of the Holy Spirit. I, I I love the fact that we get those two stories back to back, Apollos in the end of 18 and then right at 19, these twelve, yeah, twelve ran- of them, twelve yeah. random disciples, disciples in, Ephes- in yeah. Ephesus from John, and when Paul says, "Hey, tell me about the Holy Spirit," they're like, "Who? Yeah, what? So yeah, that's right. So they're, they're <laughs> believers in a sense, like yeah, you know, but uh, and yet they're not yet really fully fledged Christians, you know, in in another sense. Um, and I even wonder. I did wonder whether the. the this is placed here in this context. I wondered whether they, because lots of people came to faith through Apollos, I yeah. did wonder whether they actually came to faith under Apollos's ministry, which is yeah. why they have this inadequate. Yeah. To me, it makes sense, but I couldn't. I actually couldn't find much support for that. I found one commentary that says that that could um, could, ha- yeah, could have, been, uh, the could have been the case, or sort of from uh, that same sort of. Same and another sort one that of sort of acknowledged that point, but said, "Look, there's not really any evidence for." That. But I I like that. You like theory, that? I like you know, that theory as well. I was disappointed. And I like the fact that the word there, tell me if I'm right here, Matt, because I don't know my Greek or anything like that, but the word that that Luke uses, it's translated sometimes as believers, but it's more accurately like disciples. And so it's not so much that he's saying that they're saved and then they receive this. It was more like they were what they were disciples of something john the baptist yeah. disciples of some sort of movement yeah well it's interesting that it's a, it's quite ambiguous yeah. it says that they were disciples yeah. but we we hear later that they're disciples of john yes uh so yeah. There's a bit of ambiguity around this. So they really, they, in a sense, we could say that the, these people, they, they come into the fullness of the new covenant yeah. blessing in Christ through uh, through their baptism. And, you know, again, we, we have this gesture where Paul places his hands on them and the Holy yes. Spirit comes upon them. Doesn't always work like that, no. but, uh, but in some key points, um, at, at some key moments it does. And they speak in tongues and prophesy. Yeah. Uh, so there's again, there's this sign. The, uh, the same that pattern that we get at the beginning in, yeah. of Acts is the same That's thing. Right. You know, like to yeah. signify this this transition. Yeah. So then Paul enters into Ephesus, and where we get some amazing yeah. stories. He has oh. a very significant ministry in Ephesus. Yeah. He's there for two years. Yeah. 
um, he he first of all he goes to the uh, to the synagogues. Uh, similar thing, you know. There's a mixed reception in the synagogues. He ends up going. Um, uh, he ends up going, it says in uh, verse 9 of chapter, what chapter are we in? Uh, 19. Uh, 19. Uh, it says Paul left the, you know, the, the Jewish uh, uh, synagogue. He says he took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall uh, of Tyrannus. Now, uh, Ephesus, and, and Ephesus is an interesting place, been excavated and there's the re- remains of ancient e- Ephesus, as Paul would have discovered it, are still there. Wow. And there are these m- these massive lecture theatres, you know, this, uh, in fact, there's one uh, big p- there that's very famous in Ephesus. Paul is, is um, holding meetings in these amphitheatre, classic amphitheatre style lecture yep. uh, areas. He's there for two Years. He's holding regular rallies, like just imagine massive rallies where, yeah. you know, people are getting healed. Uh, it says in verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons uh, that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Now, Ephesus was pagan central. Yeah. This is Mass- the this massive is temple of, of, of Artemis. One of the great wonders of the ancient world was actually in Ephesus. This is This is like... Um, you know, this is pagan central right here. And Paul is doing extraordinary things by the power of the Holy Spirit right here in this place. He's there for two years. This Ephesus is a is a real center. So the gospel, lots of people are going to come to faith here and take the message out. So this is a really crucial time uh, in Ephesus. Of course, we have a Paul's letter to the Ephesians that he writes. Uh, uh, that's a wonderful letter, isn't it? Uh, you know, it's interesting that it's in that letter to the Ephesians that he makes that famous point about our battle is not against flesh and blood, but yes. against the principalities and the powers of and the forces of evil and of darkness in the heavenly realms. And and, and, and in, in like, pagan central, in pagan yeah. central, and we get it. We get a picture of how pagan it is. You know, at, at one part, you know, one time during you know Paul's ministry in in uh, you know in, in pagan central here, Ephesus, yeah. he um, you know he he they do an old fashioned. You know, it's like some Southern Baptist thing. Let's do a book burning, boys. And yeah. you know, they light a but now again. I'm being a bit facetious here, but this is the original one. The people who were coming to Christ were so convicted about their yeah. dark spiritual practices yeah. that they were involved in. They brought all of their spiritual yeah. books, their talents, you know, all this different stuff that they used in their witchcraft, and they burn it yeah. all. There's a Luke, massive bonfire. Of, Luke makes of note this. of saying this is several million dollars worth yeah. of of stuff that they're yeah. burning. It's serious business. Because of course, books were copied by hand in those in those times. So very expensive. So all stuff. of these pagan works. That's right. Yeah. And it's interesting to note that after Paul, after Luke makes a note of right, he's having a financial effect. Yeah. People of these converts are now beginning to financially things. That's when we get the riot in Ephesus, yeah, that's right. where it's all about yeah. finances and it's all yeah. about the culture of this uh, incredibly, yeah, that's right. incredibly yeah. witchy way. And that's what we finished with in in chapter nineteen. We finished with this massive uh, riot over this, and um, and they, uh, you know that uh, that doesn't really go anywhere as such. I mean, it's. Um, you know, Paul ends up leaving that area, um, but um, yeah, he certainly stirs up some trouble oh. in that. Now, it's interesting, just uh, incidentally, it says here uh, in 19 verse 13 that there was that some Jews, you know, because they're seeing what Paul is doing, 
Uh, they're probably a little jealous. Well, Paul's in this lecture hall. Heaps of people are coming. You know, he's really the, the, the center of attention in this city. Yeah. So they think, hey, we can drive out demons too. So they try to drive out some evil spirits like Paul and the classic, you know, um, uh, you know, and they in even using the name of Jesus, you know, uh, you know, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. I love the response of the evil spirit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And they get beaten senseless. Yeah, uh, it's a classic. It is it's a, a classic. classic it's a classic moment. Let's let's quickly jump into chapter twenty. Finally, all the you know, you know, Paul's time is finished there in Ephesus. The writer's finished. It's yep. time for him to move on, and he finally goes to Macedonia and Greece. Yep. in chapter twenty, yep. um, you know, he's already sent the uh, he's he sent his helpers up there. They have they've been spending yep. some time up there and coming back, and eventually, uh, you know, with a whole bunch of different people, they they you know they take their way. They go up there. Uh, they finally visit Troas. Uh, you know, they you know so. We we're slowly heading back to back to Jerusalem. Yeah. Paul actually throughout his journeys, he's often heading back to to Jerusalem at key points, mm. uh, mainly for the Passover celebration. Um, he's he's wanting to get back there. Yeah. So uh, so he's on his way back, but he revisits these areas. Um, he goes back to Troas, where he's you know he's got limited time because he wants to get back to Jerusalem. Yes. You know this famous story: preaches all night, and the guy falls asleep in the yep. window and falls to the ground and <laughs> yeah. dies, and Paul raises him from the dead. You know, yep. um, and uh, and then he's. Uh, he's catching the boat down around sort of what is now southern Turkey, yeah. uh, and he's heading towards um, uh, towards Jerusalem. And he takes this opportunity to meet with the uh, Ephesian elders at Miletus. They come and meet him at the yeah. port there. Yeah, and he gives this uh, oh, really this it's a beautiful speech that beautiful. really opens is the opening speech to the next section of the Book of Acts, and yes. we'll we'll talk about this next time. But it's this. Um, you know, he says to them, I'm not going to see you. This is the last time I'm going to see you. The yeah. Holy Spirit has warned me that suffering and tribulation uh, are up ahead. Um, but he's going to go anywhere. They urge him, well, don't go, don't go. If the Holy Spirit's telling you that there's suffering and tribulation, don't go. Yeah. And this is actually going to happen um, on, a, on a number of occasions. Uh, but no, he's resolute. Uh, he's uh, he's going to go uh, because you don't, you know, you don't, um, uh, you don't look to avoid that. Yeah. You know, the pathway of discipleship goes through that. That's his yes. point, you know, and, and, it, and he's not going to allow that to divert his pathway. And we almost finish where we started this episode, mm. where we, we started this episode with a disagreement with Barnabas and Paul. Yep. And, and good things happen out of it. God can use this disagreement. Yeah. And we finish with this sort of, again, a theme of a disagreement between the believers, yeah. some of them are going to even via the Holy Spirit disagree yeah. with where God is telling Paul to go, which is a really interesting, yeah. you know, thought thought process there. But you know, we get a point that these are really what am I? What are what am I? The words I'm looking here for, Matt, that God is using really human, yeah, you know, real yeah, humans, right. real emotions, real relationships. And it's not the easy road and everybody no. agreeing and yeah. kum singing kumbaya together that yeah. we want sometimes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's a beautiful, 
it, it's actually a beautiful speech uh, uh, there that he gives to these elders because he knows that he's he's not going to be able to um, be with them again. He's going to write to them, yeah. uh, of course, uh, from prison. He's going to write the most probably from prison in uh, in Caesarea. He's going to write to them, um, and and he gives them this you know this speech. Keep you know keep watch verse twenty eight. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit is ma- making you overseas. He's handing the mantle to them. They are the elders. They're in charge of the church, and uh, this is a church that's going to flourish. You know, as, as and we we get this sense from the book of Ephesians that they are it is a it's going to be a healthy church uh, they're going to do their job but this is the opening now to what is essentially going to be Paul's passion narrative uh, what Luke is going to point out from this time is that uh, Paul is going to go through an experience very much like that of Christ he's going to be, he's going to suffer unjustly he's going to be imprisoned uh, but through that he's going to get to where he wants to go most and that's uh, to Rome but that's the next part of the story and and I I just think uh, it's worth just pausing and, and recognizing as he brings this, uh, has this meeting with these, um, with these people, he's finished with them. He's moving on, but the Holy Spirit isn't finished. You know, they are equipped by the Holy Spirit to continue this work. This isn't about Paul. Uh, this is about what God is doing in their midst. Paul moves on. They don't see him again, but the Holy Spirit remains in this church and this church flourishes. And it's wonderful to think that we today are the heirs of this very movement and the same exhortation that he gives to them, keep watch over yourselves and the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseas. Be shepherds of the church, uh, which he bought with his blood. Wolves will come in amongst the flock. Watch out for that. Be vigilant. Uh, Contend for the faith. Whatever you have to go through to hold on to your faith, go through it. Give everything for mission. I think the message of Paul here is uh, as pertinent today as it was then. I love that challenge that Matthew brings out from the Apostle Paul that we see in the book of Acts, that the church should be growing. The Holy Spirit wants to add people to the church. And if you're looking at your own local church that you're a part of and people aren't being added, it's not because of the numbers. It's not because we're great. It's not because we can have runs on the board. It's because this is what the Spirit wills. He wants to see people added to the church. Oh, man, convicted me, convicted me when we went through that in the book of Acts. Well, that's enough from me. We're running long on this episode. We'll be back in a fortnight as we wrap up the book of Acts. Thank you so much for your support at thrivetoday.tv. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. 
visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.